All right. Hey, yeah, you can take a seat once you've met someone. Uh, I just want to say welcome. Welcome to the exchange. Um, so glad you guys are here. My name is Josiah. If I've not met you yet, I'd love to meet you after. Uh, but we are doing a series on the Holy Spirit. So do me a favor. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. We'd love to get you a Bible so you can just follow along with us. 2 Corinthians is after 1 Corinthians. Hopefully that helps. Um, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me kind of um, just kind of share where we're at, what we're going through, what we're doing. I know it's December 16th. Some people expect like a Christmas message. What's going on? So let me kind of catch up to speed where we're at today, and then I'll introduce our guest speaker. Uh, so we are doing a, a short series on the Holy Spirit. We spent the last year looking at the Gospel of Mark, who Jesus is, what he did, what he claimed, what people said about him, his death, his resurrection. And here we are 2,000 years later, still talking about Jesus' death and resurrection, and why? And why is it so significant? And, and how, how do we tell people about Jesus today in 2018? And how do we follow Jesus today in 2018? What does that look like? And so we're doing this short six-week series on the Holy Spirit, and today we'll specifically be looking at the Holy Spirit and evangelism. So if you want to throw up kind of just our progression here, in case you're new or maybe you've been with us, here's what we've been doing. We talked about how God's Spirit is with us, He's with Christians. He's with the world, pointing people to Jesus. John 16 says the Holy Spirit has come to testify of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit's with us. We talked about the Holy Spirit and salvation, how he dwells in us. That once you believe on Jesus, the Holy Spirit seals you for the day of redemption. It's almost as if God gave us the Spirit as a down payment for that day of redemption. And we talked about what does it look like now to walk with Jesus day to day. What does it look like to uh, have the fruit of the Spirit? And so we talked about the Holy Spirit in day to day life. And last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit and power. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, here's what we're doing today. So why? Why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? In Acts 1.8, the verse we read last week, but it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's just going to happen. You're going to witness. So this is for everyone. Sometimes we think about evangelism and go, oh, that's for like the evangelist, someone over there. That's not me. That's not my thing. If you are born again, you're a follower of Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit to be a witness. And so we want to look at what does that look like? How do we do that today? Um, I, I hope we as a church sense this urgency. Guys, people need Jesus. Our world desperately needs Jesus. People are broken. People are finding satisfaction in all these things that they realize aren't really bringing true satisfaction. And, and we have something to offer them that will change their eternal life and, and their temporal life. So we do want to look at the, the Holy Spirit and just evangelism in general. And so here's what we're going to do. We do have a guest speaker today uh, because for me, we have the 23rd. We're going to do the Holy Spirit in Christmas next Sunday. And then we also have a Christmas Eve service. And we're going to talk about the gospel from the angel's perspective. And so for me, just getting ready for two different sermons, I was like, I need, I need someone to help me out. So um, I'm going to invite our guest speaker up, Mike Denker, to come on up. And I'll share briefly uh, about him. So Mike and his wife leads a small group for us, a couple small group on Monday nights. Uh, Mike has been pouring into a lot of the, the men in our church on Saturday mornings or different times throughout the week. Um, this is a guy where if I've ever been sick on a Sunday morning, which has happened a couple times, been throwing up on Sunday morning, I'm like, Mike, be ready. Just threw up. It's 8 a.m. Uh, and Mike's been ready. So I didn't want to do that to him today. I wanted to actually give him time and preparation. Um, so I'm excited to have you, man, and just to have you share the word with us. So would you guys more time give it for Mike as he brings the word? Thanks, Dave. Hey, so uh, thank you. 
appreciate being up here. Uh, Stephen Covey's a business dude. He says, uh, start with the end in mind. And so uh, in Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. If you took those two sections in scripture together, uh, I'm done here. We have the rest of your morning back and uh, go fins, right? But, but uh, we have some more time. But seriously, so simply, we receive the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, we have the power to go out and share. And now in um, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Important. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them, and has committed to us, the word of reconciliation. Still an important word. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, to, we, improve, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, as we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are all ambassadors for Christ. We all have the ministry of reconciliation. And so uh, to start this off, I've been, like, like Josiah said, I've been studying for this for about five weeks, right? I feel like I st started last night. But, the, but what's really cool is that I got a chance with my small group, we had this idea to go out to bus stops and give people $20 bus passes, chicken biscuits from Chick-fil-A, and tell them Jesus loves them, have a good day at work. Sounded really great. And so we said, hey, we should start at the bus stop right by the church. Because then we can tell them that the church is right there on Sundays where you just left your kids. So that was really, really cool. Except guess what? We're kind of in a middle class neighborhood. Not a lot of people take the bus to work from around here. So I'm standing there with a bag of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and a whole lot of bus passes and nobody's riding the bus. So then I get in the car and I'm driving down Hillsboro. And I'm driving a lot of, by a lot of empty bus stops. Never really tuned into that before, but it's amazing. When you're looking for somebody, it's hard to find. Then I come along this lady. She is walking towards the bus stop. I send up a prayer. God, please make her stop at the bus stop. I need somebody to talk to. And so I go and I find her, and she's at the bus stop. I said, ma'am, I'm here. I just want to say Jesus loves you. My church would love to have you. And I have a bus pass for you. She said, no, thank you. I said, well, ma'am, at least I have a chicken biscuit for breakfast. She said, no, thank you. I humbly entered my vehicle and left. <laughs> Bummer, right? And so then I'm driving down Hillsboro. I get to Federal. I make a ride on Federal. I'm passing a ton of bus stops. No folks. Then I realize there is a bus stop that people are at. I know it because I walk in and out of that bus stop on my way to Dunkin' Donuts all the time. And then I thought, that's the only bus stop in the whole wide world I don't want to go to. 
because what if they want Chick-fil-A for me every time I walk by them? It's like twice a week. I don't want to be that guy. I need a different bus stop. And guess what? Fear and doubt are creeping in as I'm listening to a sermon on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's still undoing me, right? These fears and doubts undo us. And so I, I overcame it, right? The, the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelmed me so that I could pull in and, and stop at that bus stop. I go to the bus stop, and I hand the first fellow, like, hey, I would like to give. He goes, great, grabs it, runs on the bus. I go, and Jesus loves you. And so it kept going like that. I gave away three or four bus passes. I gave away three or four chicken sandwiches. And then a fellow rides up on his bike. And the bus is starting to pull away, and he calmly sits down. I go, that's weird. I go, hey, man, you want a bus pass for 20, for, uh, 20 rides? He's like, sure, I'll bless somebody with that. Hmm, okay. So then uh, he starts to reach into his bag, and I'm like, okay, he's going to give me something. This is so cool. He pulls out. I don't know if you can see it. Is Chris up there yet? So that book, he pulls this out of his bag. I don't know if you can tell in the picture, but it's wrapped up in tape. I mean, it is. This thing is held together by, by stuff he's done because he's been wearing this book out. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit. This guy, Chris, might be an expert. Let me ask him some questions. And so, so Chris sits me down, and he starts to, I'm listening to him, and I, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, you know what? I think Chris needs to pray for Mike. I say, Chris, you need to pray for us. And then Chris, I got a preaching and a sermon at the bus stop from Chris on the Holy Spirit. He said, don't quit. Just keep going, Mike. You just don't quit. Keep going. And, and then Chris, I go, Chris, can I take a picture? Dude, this is like a big moment in my life. Because I felt like this was going to take about three minutes. But once I asked Chris to pay for me, church was on. And then we went about 35 minutes until, <laughs> until it was kind of funny. I'm like, Chris, I've got a message for you. It's actually for me, but I think you'll appreciate it. He goes, what's that? My wife just texted me and said, come home. And he goes, you better go home. And so, but that time with Chris was amazing, right? But the main point is, is how sideways we can get about the dumbest fears and doubts, right? I wasn't, fair about, I wasn't scared about taking a bullet. I wasn't scared about I might get hit by a car. I was scared because somebody might want a chicken biscuit for me on another day. Like, that is so silly. But literally, that was the obstacle between me and sharing the gospel. And so when the Holy Spirit and evangelism come together, I, for one, desperately need that. And so we look down in, in Luke 7, verse 20 to 23. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent, sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we find another? And that very hour, he, Jesus, answered and said to them, Go tell John the things that you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see, and Mike's afraid to stop at a bus stop. It's big stuff. Most assuredly, in John 14, verses 12 through 15, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also the greater works than these. <clears throat> he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
it's just so amazing that what the Holy Spirit can do through us. And yet these silly little fears and doubts can slow me down so much. The same Spirit that raises Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed, that's the Spirit that we have to go out and share. You just need to make sure, how do we, how do, we do that? So, uh, last month I was supposed to teach uh, middle school for the first time. Way more intimidating to approach 12 and 13 year olds than it is to approach you all. So, uh, to tell you I was nervous, I woke up on Saturday morning, I, I felt like I had pink eye. I go, great, God is just... God's decided I don't, he doesn't want me to teach middle schoolers, probably protecting them. And so, so, the, so then I, I went in the mirror and I, I said, God definitely doesn't want me to teach middle school tomorrow. And so I walked out to the kitchen and as, as I was reaching for a glass of water, I realized God wants me to teach middle school tomorrow. I'm thinking wrong. My thinking is stinking. God wants me to teach tomorrow. The devil doesn't want me to teach me to teach those kids tomorrow. Satan is against me. And I said, Holy Spirit, make my eye better. Make it healed. Make it go away. Well, when I woke up, I was afraid like parents are going to be taking the church. I can't believe you let the guy with the nasty pink gross eye talk to our kids. But that was gone. Nobody knew. It was gone. And so... I realized the shift that happened in my heart, that when thing, bad things happen and I reached a setback, I blamed God. No, 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 no. We battle. We battle, and we battle against Satan and his schemes. And so I stopped. Instead of praying, well, God, will you please let me? Like, God already wanted me to go teach middle school. What he also wanted me to do is realize that we're in a battle, and I need, to, I need the Holy Spirit to win this battle. And so we walked through it. I taught those kids. They're probably scarred for life, but at least I got, I got there. And so the devil is trying to sideline me, right? The devil's trying to sideline you. And what is he trying to sideline you from? Well, each of us is an ambassador for Christ. If we're in the game, we're ambassadoring, new verb. And if we're not in the game, we're on the sidelines, not doing what God designed us to do. And then he also says that each of us has the ministry of reconciliation. Well, if we have the ministry... We're out there ministering. But if we're sidelined for whatever reason, sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, but we're not doing the thing that we were called to do, which is reconcile, which means to make peace with the other folks around us, right? And so now all things are of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, this is our, our theme for the day. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. So critical to catch that. When he showed up, he didn't go, and by the way, here's all the junk you've been doing. And by the way, here, let me point out a couple of things that you've been doing wrong in your life. It says he wasn't imputing their trespasses towards them. It says that he kept on by committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. I don't always feel like God is pleading through me to this lost world. But I am challenged to be that man. We implore you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so taking that, what do I do as an ambassador? Has anybody held the role of ambassador in their life besides an ambassador for Christ, that they know what the job description looks like? 
Well, it's the highest form of a dignitary from a foreign land. Heaven is our foreign land. We have come representing the king as ambassadors in our country. But this is not our country. As an ambassador, we're from somewhere else. We are citizens of heaven, ambassadors of Christ, in this land to do the will of our king. Does that make sense? And so in doing that, I need to know what, what does an ambassador do? Well, the first rule of an ambassador is mission over me. I am not the purpose. The mission is the purpose. I might be a sacrifice on the road to the purpose. I might have myself or I might just have a chocolate chip cookie not go down my throat today because that's my grand sacrifice for the purpose because I gave it to another person. Right. We talk about sacrifice as it's monumental. Sometimes it's trivial. But the trivial sacrifice we make for someone else can go so far. Right. And so as we do this mission over me. Number two, God has my back. God is able, God is willing, and God has your back. The creator of the universe who said, be, and everything, I mean, just imagine for a second, I want all of you to imagine how big the universe is. Everybody has a different picture, but I'm telling you, it's huge, right? Nobody had a small version, right? Universe, big, mind-blowing, and God said, be. Every part of it, one time, said it was, there it was, Right? And so in all of that, that's the God that has my back. So can I handle it? With him, I can. There's no doubt about it. The enemy is the enemy. Ephesians 6 tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against very scary things. Powers and darkness of principality. And it, it's scary what we wrestle against. But the cool thing is the person that's bugging you right now that you're thinking about going, well, I can't reconcile with them. Reach over. Next time you see him, pinch him on the wrist and go, oh, yeah, they're flesh and blood. I don't wrestle against them. The enemy is the enemy, right? We wrestle against Satan and all the stuff that he's doing. We wrestle against the devil. So the people are the prize. That's what we're in it for. And we're in it to win it. We're in this to win the people. That's what evangelize means. Win people over to Jesus. And how do you do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways. And find common ground. The best way to find common ground that I've ever discovered, I, kept, I, I work a lot of trade shows at work, is go, where are you from? Because guess what? Everybody knows the answer to that question. Where are you from? Well, what do you mean, where I was born? Yeah. You mean where I grew up? Yep. You mean where I went to college? Sure. Right? Whatever. Whatever comes to mind. Whatever answer you got, I'm, I'm ready to roll. And so... Because what am I trying to do? I'm trying to find common ground. Well, what'd you do there? How'd you end up here? Right? Eventually, as they talk to me, they're going to say, uh, I did something that you did, Mike. And so now we can talk about something coherently. Right? And so, but you want to find common ground with people, and we all have common ground. Right? Sometimes we get to the right junk in our trunk, and go, oh, I got that junk too. And sometimes you go, I, went, I traveled to that place, and oh, I've been there too. Or I, I know that guy. Or I watched that, read that book. Or I watched that movie. But we've got to find common ground. We can't find what's wrong with them and then bond with them. Right? Nobody is open to that. I don't know you. Why are you in my face? Right? And so, so find common ground. It's so critical. And it's a critical piece of being an ambassador. And it obviously, it makes sense that it's the first point in reconciling. And so, and then practice, practice, practice. You've got to try it. Right? The first time you swung at, a, swung at a baseball when you were a little kid or whenever that was, I'm sure it didn't go well. 
You know, the fifth time you might have hit somebody with the bat. It happens, right? But then over time, with practice, we get better, right? Whoever says, I can't, just hasn't been doing it long enough, right? I can't do that. I haven't been doing it long enough. If I said to you, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to bench 350 pounds, I promise you that is not going to happen today, right? But if I go to the gym enough times between now and some other day, that may become a reality, right? Practice, practice, practice. Don't get defined by your today, and definitely don't get defined by your past. You are going to practice your way to a better future, which is going to be somebody that ministers reconciliation, which is the form of evangelism, right? And we're also going to be ambassadors for Christ. And if I'm not the ambassador I want to be, well, I'm going to practice, and I'm going to get better at it like anything else in life. I'm going to practice and get better. So I mentioned it before, the biggest obstacle for me in evangelism, and maybe you too, is fear. Fear of what? Fear of what this total stranger is going to think about me, right? I'm wearing boots today. I'm not really a boot guy, but I love my boots. And so I love my boots, and I'm wearing them today because the only reason I wouldn't wear my boots today is if I cared what you thought about me. <laughs> so because they're on, you can draw your own conclusions. And so, and the other thing is I was putting them on today, and, I, and God showed me this, I swear to God. It's so cool. He said... He goes, they're now an evangelism tool. Because when somebody goes, are those alligator? I'm going to say, no, they're Leviathan. Do you know the Leviathan? Check him out. He's in Psalms, and God crushed his head, took his meat, and fed it to the poor, and gave Mike boots. And so that's where we're going with that, right? So I'm going to find common ground. I'm going to introduce him to the Leviathan, the ones that I'm wearing, right? And so... So, but the opposite of fear is faith, right? So if I need to get less fear, that means that I get the, need to get more faith. And when somebody says, hey, Mike, I'm struggling, and I go, man, you know what? You need more faith. Those are like fighting words. You know it. Like, that just bugs the heck out of you. Like, you know what you really need in your life is a little more faith. Well, Lake, I'd really like to punch you in the nose right now. A little more faith this. And so if you think about it, it's easy to say, but how do we get more faith? James 2.17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Right? So let's switch that up a little bit and say, faith with works is alive. Faith with works is alive. It works, it, 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 if it works, if works brings my faith to life, how can I get more faith or make my faith stronger? Exercise. Right? If you ask me how to get a healthier heart, I'd say exercise and diet. How do you get stronger? Exercise and diet. Abs of steel, exercise and diet. And so how do you get more faith? Exercise and diet. How do we exercise our faith? Well, we keep taking steps of faith. When it doesn't make sense, we just go a little further by faith. When we're afraid, we just go a little bit further by faith. When we don't see any way out or, we don't, or it doesn't make sense in trying, we just go a little bit further by faith. And every step we take with this little bit further by faith builds our faith. We're getting stronger every step of the way. But the key is we've got to keep taking the steps. One step in front of the other. The uh, Romans 4, 17 through 21, it talks about uh, Abraham. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. There's a lot going on there. But it says, you don't see it, 
it looks dead, it doesn't exist. He says it is, so then it is. And so that's who's on our team. He's got my back. And so contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So this is talking about now Abraham saying, contrary to his hope, like he was struggling to hope for this. You ever have a hope that you're even afraid to pray for? Nope, too big. Too big, can't see it. No way. God can't do that. Why would I hope that? But if you do, he can. And we know that in our heart. God is able. And so even though it was contrary to his hope, Abraham believed according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, which was crusty old. That's Mike. Already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, because she's very old, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham, hope against hope, believed anyway. He took a step forward anyway. I don't see it, but I'm going forward anyway, right? So you start to get the idea about exercise my faith, but what about this diet thing? How do I, what does what I eat affect my faith? Billy Graham used to tell a story about an old Eskimo. This old Eskimo used to come into town, probably in Alaska. I didn't get that part of the story. But uh, he'd come into town, and he would come in with two dogs every Saturday night, a white dog and a black dog. And everybody in town would bet which dog was going to win the fight, the white dog or the black dog. Well, the townsfolks were right sometimes, and they were wrong sometimes. But the old Eskimo that brought the dogs in, he was always right. He knew when to bet black. He knew when to bet white. He always won. So one fellow comes up to him and says, man, how do you always know which dog to bet on? He goes, that's easy, man. I know which one I fed all week. So he wants, if he wants white dog to win, he feeds white dog, right? The dog that's winning the battle in our life, it's either our flesh or it's our spirit. Which dog is winning the fight in your life? Because on Friday night, when you look back and you go, wow, had a rough week, didn't spend a lot of time with God, did this, did that, not really pleased with how it went, you were feeding the flesh dog. If you were strong and you're feeling good, like, man, this was a great week, you're feeding the spirit dog. If you pull an image up there that uh, it looks like there's an image of a, um, it's the balance from your, from your stereo, right? You know, right and left. Right? If, if my balance is all the way on the right and I'm sitting on the left with my car stereo, I have to turn the volume way, way up to hear it. Sometimes I'm like that with God. I'm so far away from him, I have to turn that volume way, way up to hear it. But if I'm sitting on the left and that volume is all the way over on the left, guess what? I can hear even when it's low, even when it's quiet. Sometimes it's called a still, small voice. So if I'm leaning in my life into my flesh, I can hear God only when the volume is way, way up and when he's screaming at me. Some people say things like, he had to hit me with a two-by-four. Why do you have to hit you with a two-by-four? Because you're too far away. You can't hear him. But you live in the spirit. And when you live in the spirit, you can hear the voice. You can hear the voice that's talking to you. And when you hear the voice, it's the voice of God. 
you got to make sure that your diet, right, what are you consuming? So when you think about what are the things that I'm consuming, well, the things of the flesh are in Galatians 5. They're things like the works of the flesh that can include hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, and much more. I left a couple out like murder, right? You look like a nice group of crowd. I don't see a lot of murderers in the mix. However, the rest of those, you know yourself, but there's a lot of that in the room right now. There's a lot of it up here right now. They're relatable. But later in the same chapter of Galatians, we see the things of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It says against these things there is no law. Right? So when you go, okay, where's my balance in my life? Well, we've got the heresies, the envy, the jealousies, the drunkenness. Or I've got peace, patience, love, kindness. What am I marked for? Wow. I'm marked with the flesh, but I can't hear God. I'm very disappointed. Well, oh, I'm marked with the Spirit. And I can hear God like He's in my back seat. Right? This is what we have to be thinking about. These are the choices we're making. It's not, God, I can't hear you. How come you're not talking to me? He says, I'm talking to you all day long. You've got too much junk in your ears. You're taking it, your diet is off. Right? So you, it is diet and exercise. It is exercise your faith, but make sure you're paying attention to what's going into your heart and mind. It is both, right? Because I used to joke like, I've got a washboard stomach. It's just got a pile of laundry on top. Because <laughs> diet and exercise is hard to do, right? It's a challenge for all of us, but if we want to get there, we've got to do it. There's not another way. There's just not another way. And so... There's a thing in, our, in the world called dilute. It's an interesting word, dilute. Dilute means that you weaken something by adding something else to it. So if I'm pure, the opposite of pure is diluted. I started out pure, believe it or not. But I've been diluted. And so if I want to get back to pure, what do I need to do? I need to remove some of the impurities. Some of the things that I know, they don't just go away. I don't get pure around them. The only way to take something that's diluted and make it pure is filter out the impurities. So there's no shortcut. Diet and exercise. You hate it when you see it on TV. You hate it when you hear it from Mike. Diet and exercise, right? But that's the way it works. It's just how it works. And so as we get pure by faith and diet and exercise. What's going to happen as we exercise and eat right? Well, imagine what's going to happen when we trust the Holy Spirit a little bit more and take care of the details of the next time I meet somebody and I want to invite them or introduce them to my friend Jesus. Next time I walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know my friend Jesus? I stand here with a confidence that the Holy Spirit is with me. He's got my back. This mission is mission is more important than me. You are more important than me. You're not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy, right? I'm going to, you are the prize, and I am going to find common ground with you right here, right now, in the moment. I'm going to walk this out because I want to make sure that you know my friend Jesus, and if we have any friends that are going through hard times, I got a problem, and they start griping to you, 
or they start crying to you because it's huge, right? We have friends that are really hurting. Death is part of this life. Chronic, chronic and critical illness are part of this life. But when we go to help them and we try to solve their issues, is Jesus the first thing out of our mouth? It, do I, I wish you knew my friend Jesus to help you out. I wish you knew my friend Jesus. I'm guilty. I used to be an executive coach. I used to coach people all the time to solve their problems, and the first thing out of my mouth was not, oh, your, your P&L, your profit and loss statement's out of line. Let me tell you about my friend Jesus, <laughs> right? But it's amazing how when that's in the back of your mind, it comes out. If that's in the back of your mind, how do I get Jesus into this P&L statement? It is amazing that if you're on point and the mission is more important than you, Jesus will come out in the P&L. I've been there. It is so cool, right? So sometimes you don't think there's a way, but there's a way. In John 15, 15, it says, no longer, can I, no, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But hold on, this is so cool, but I have called you friends. When somebody sings the song, you have a friend in Jesus, Jesus said, I called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Have you met my friend Jesus? I wish you knew my friend Jesus. As you look around this room, I don't know y'all. I know some of you pretty well. Love y'all. Glad you're here. But there's, there's three kinds of people in this room right now. There's prisoners, there's escapees, and there's rescuers. And that's it. Everybody sitting in a chair right now is one of those three. You're a prisoner, you're an escapee, or you're a rescuer. And so, as, as you think about that, the prisoners are the people that blindly live in the shackles and barbed wire fences of, that are created by Satan. And they don't have a clue. Jesus could show up in the black tomahawk chopper, flying in, landing, looks like special ops. Come on! I'm here to rescue you! And the prisoners look on and say, from what? Rescue? I'm good. No clue. But we do escape, and when we do escape, we have the opportunity to break the chains of the oppressor and then we can become rescuers. It's not enough to be an escapee. If you're a Christian, you're an escapee, but it's not enough. I'm here to challenge you to up your game to become a rescuer. That's why the Holy Spirit's in you, to help you rescue the ones that are still in prison. And sometimes they're the hardest ones to talk to because they don't know they're in prison. You've got to find common ground. You've got to earn their trust. You've got to get in their lives. You've got to do some time with them. And then you're going to get the opportunity to breathe truth into their life. It's not a drive-by. It takes an investment. You've got to do the time. And so in Jeremiah 38, For it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break the yoke from your neck, and I will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave you. God's been talking about this breakout since Jeremiah in the Old Testament. It's been coming a long, long time. If you've broken out, great. Step up and be a rescuer. If you haven't broken out, great. I'll meet you right up here and I'll tell you how to get yourself set free. I have no sense of time, so little help there. And so, who are we going to rescue? 
All of them. The one that crossed your path, the one that you've talked to in the grocery line, the one that you talked to at the DMV, all of them, all of them. And as you're talking to them, right, as you're talking to them, you're going to seem like there's no way. This is impossible. This is overwhelming. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, is in Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean? It means don't trust what you see. Don't worry about the facts. Don't let them get in your way. Just keep moving them towards Jesus. You need to get them to meet your friend Jesus. And if they're in trouble, you need to help them. Man, I wish you knew my friend Jesus. What would he do for me? I tell you, I can only tell you what he did for me. Right? So, when Simon Peter was fishing one night, he came back and Jesus told him to throw the nets in out deeper. And Peter says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So I say to you, nevertheless, I will go a little bit further by faith. Nevertheless, I will try to make common ground. Nevertheless, I will try to just see where they're from and see what they're, what's going on in their life so that I can get an opportunity to introduce them to my friend Jesus. Amen? And so, a long, long time ago, for some of you, a lifetime, way back in the 90s, and so uh, the, uh, my dad wasn't saved, but I was. I got saved in 97. Here I am in the spring of 99, and I realized I hadn't even thought about the condition of my dad's future in eternity. I don't know why. I have no, no reason why. But 70% of all conversions happen through a friend or family. Right? So when we get saved, we go out and we, we talk to all of our friends and family that are easy to talk to and fun to be with. And we try to get them saved. But then... If they ain't saved yet, and they're still your friends or family, it's because they're the hard ones, right? Or, or for my dad's sake, the scary ones, right? My dad scared me. And a lot of times the right way, but in all times, he scared me. And so, so I, one day I was totally convicted I need to go talk to my dad about Jesus Christ. We, and my wife and I, Angel, we sat in the parking lot in the driveway and said, God, Help us. It's going to be nasty. We know how it goes in there. It never goes well. There's always arguing. There's always chaos. We're all prayed up. We walk in the front door. We sit down. My dad's in the easy chair. I'm sitting in the love seat. Angel's sitting on my left, and we're ready to go. I've got my Bible. I don't know it very well. I've only been saved two years, but I've got it. And so as I'm talking to my dad, all of a sudden my mom walks by. She dropped a grenade on him as she's doing a drive-by, just a drive-by grenade. He starts cussing at her. She starts cussing at him. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, this was spiritual just a second ago. And I can remember in slow motion, I give up. I gave up. But then I turned back around to see if I'd go just a little bit further. And I opened up my Bible, and I was out. It wasn't me. I don't know. I know what I knew, and I didn't know much. But my dad could give me any rebuke, any rebuke, any rebuttal, any anything about what I was saying. I go, but dad, here's what the Bible says. Jesus said he loved you. Oh, what, what's that, Dad? Oh, uh, yeah, okay, here's what this says. And I was able to, I was like a Bible machine, flipping pages, going back and forth. And I said, Dad, I think you need this. He goes, Dad, he goes, son, I've, been, I've done too much. There's no way. I've done too many bad things. And I said, Dad, me too. But I met a guy named Jesus. And you need to meet him too.
And so funniest thing happened next is he goes, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> and then he yells into the kitchen, hey, get in here. You need this too. <laughs> and so spirit was working. And so, but my mom and dad came into the living room that day. And what started out in absolute chaos, Mike stepped out, Holy Spirit stepped in. My father is in eternity today. And so I say, there's no challenge. There's nobody too scary. There's nobody too messed up. There's nobody too far gone. All they are is they're a prisoner in Satan's camp, and they desperately need you to be their rescuer. You can start with friends and family, like any other good multi-level marketing scheme, right? <laughs> and if you get good, you can go work on strangers. But I'm telling you, you've got friends and family that need to meet my friend Jesus, right? And you've been talking to these people your whole life. There's nothing you already know where they're from. And maybe the scary thing is they know where you're from too. You're going to have to get over that. You're going to have to put your Leviathan boots on and show up and not care what they know, not care what they think, and introduce them to your friend Jesus anyway. Amen? Amen. Father God, I come to you now in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I lift up, if there's any prisoners in this room, Father, I pray they would come up today and be set free to become escapees and get out of the bondage and the shackles and the yoke that the devil has put upon them. Make them aware. And Father, I pray for the escapees. Father, I pray that you would inspire them to move in their life. And just, if nothing else, Father, just go a little bit further. Nevertheless, let's just go a little bit further by faith in you, Father, that you've got our back and it's already in your plan. And Father, for the rescuers, more faith, more faith, more faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.